I want to discuss one of the ideas of what a Seder is meant to be. What is it meant to represent? A lot of people ask this question. A lot of people are struggling with this question. What are we meant to come out of a Seder night? Yes, we'll do the mitzvahs. Yes, we'll do what we have to do. We'll eat the matzah and we'll lean and we'll have the four cups and we'll say the Haggadah. But what are we meant to be leaving with? What are we meant to be coming out with? So we'll start like this. We have to understand that, you know, the story of Yitzhak Mitzrayim took place about 3,300 and I think 32 years ago. That, that sounds like a, a nice amount of time. That means that since Yitzhak Mitzrayim until this year, right, Tov Shin Pei, 2020, there have been approximately 3,332 Sedanites. That's a lot. That's a tremendous amount. You know, it's like Chinese whispers when you play with the kids. You go around the table and you say, you know, he says this and he says this. And by the time it gets to the end, it's totally lost. And that's only with like eight people. This is 3,332 Sedanites. And yet we're still saying the same text. But I heard a thought about a couple of years ago, which actually struck me as tremendous. And that was, how many people, maybe not this year, but in a regular year, how many people can say that they were Zoycha to spend Seder night with one of their grandparents, maybe both even, but at least one of their grandparents? Normally the answer is between 70 and 90% of the youngsters that you ask will say at some point in their lives, in fact many years sometimes, they spend years and years of Seder nights together with one of their, or maybe even both if they're lucky, of their grandparents. That means if we cut out their parents from the Messorah, how many Seder nights, make a cheshbon, how many Seder nights were there from grandparent to grandson, since Yitzhak Mitzrayim, until this year. Okay, this is only obviously a little bit of an approximate. So again, if we go from the grandparents straight to the grandchildren, so we take approximately 3,332, if you make the math, divide it by around 50, which is normally the around the average age gap between child and grandparents, that means, again, an approximate number, 65. Wow. That means there have been approximately 65 Sedanites, grandparent to grandson, and sometimes it even goes more, it's a great-grandparent even in many situations, again, maybe not this year, unfortunately, but in many situations it is. Now, that's not so much. 65 Sedanites, if you think about it, wow. That means if, you know, every child heard their grandparent who heard their grandparent who heard their grandparent, it was only 65 times. That's not so much. That's not actually so, so far away. But I want to discuss one particular idea of the Seder which I really believe, in fact we have to work on this the whole year, and I talk to myself, but this is something that I believe if you want to have a meaningful Seder, if you want to have something where you feel, I feel accomplished, right, and I've kind of had these questions after Seder night, you know, throughout Yom Tov, like, I did everything, I did the mitzvahs, and I read the art scroll, and I had like a pile of all the Sfarim, and all the books, and the stories, and the Medrashim, and even those pictures, it was great, I didn't feel it. Like, like, what did I walk away with? And it's a very important idea to remember, in every situation, what do we walk away with? What do we come out of the Yontav? And that's the truth. End of Pesach, we should ask ourselves this question. We had seven, eight days of a Yontav. That's incredible. 
at the end of the day, did we walk away with something? Are we a different person? Or are we just the same person with a hopefully a little bit of a cleaner house? Is that it? Is that the point? Baruch Hashem, we have an opportunity to spring clean. We can go through all those cupboards that we never get a chance to do. This is incredible. No, no, no. That's not Pesach. Especially not this year, for sure not. This year we just do the basic minimum. But even without that, at the end of the day, what are we walking away with? So I want to give you an idea which I'm going to express and go through ideas of the Haggadah and other places as well to try and give over as much as I can this idea. I want to mention a maral. There's an unbelievable maral on the Haggadah. The maral is in the beginning of Gevurus Hashem, and he asked the most incredible question. Right? Many of you probably have seen this in Haggadah. It's quoted in many Haggadahs. But it's a very, very intrinsic question that we have to ask ourselves when it comes to Pesach and the Haggadah and Sedanite especially. And he says on the Gemara, the Gemara tells us, which the Rambam Paskins, which we mention on Lel HaSedah, The more you mention, the more you talk, the more you explain, the more detail you go into, it's an incredible thing. We don't find this that often. It's actually quite rare that we find such a thing that we're told, you know, we don't find it in many other places. And that's his question. Says the Marel, it doesn't make sense. True, it's wonderful to talk about Hashem's Zanissim and what he did for us, but says the Maral, it seems to contradict openly a Mephusha Gemara in Brochas Taf Lamed Gimel Omed Beis 33b, where the Gemara in Brochas Taf Lamed Gimel Omed Beis tells us, those of you that learned Dafayomi, it wasn't that far away. The Gemara says, can you imagine? A person goes up to the Omid. He goes to be the Shliach Tzibu. So he goes up there and he starts davening for the Omid. And he goes up to Shemone Esra. And we know we say, That's what we say in Shemone Esra. This guy keeps on going. He gives a good Hakel, Hagodol, Hagibor, Hanoira, Va Ade, Va Azuz, Vahayori, Bamachazik, Bahamitz, Vahadi, Vahagibor. He goes through a whole list, a string of all sorts of praises of the Rabboni Shalom, right? You can imagine most guys in most shuls will lynch the guy, get out of here. We've got to get over a mincha over and done within 10 minutes. We can't have this more than 5 minutes. So therefore, you know, get a move on. But the Gemara says, you're not allowed to do that. You have to stop him. You know, because we tell him, as the Gemara says, where do you stop the praise of Hashem? You can't just say your own praise of Hashem. It's too vast. It's too much. Therefore, says the Gemara, we have to go with what Chazal specially told us. And Chazal wrote the text of Hashem Esra and of our Tfila, And therefore, we have to give that text. We have to say exactly what Chazal told us to say. You can't just make up your own. True, the Rabbi Nishalim is much bigger than what we say. But you can't do that because there's no end. Says the Maral, one second. If the Gemara says there's no end to the Shvach of the Rabbi Nishlam, to praising Hashem, here we go, Pesach night, one of the holiest nights of the year, tremendous, we're dressed in our kittel, the houses are clean, it's incredible. What an, what an amazing opportunity. Really? Just go on and go on. And the, you know, there's a halacha that you're meant to stay up the whole night talking about it. I don't know how many people do. It's more of a minute than it is on Shavuos night, that's for sure. But, you know, people don't do it because people are tired and it's difficult, whatever. But at least something. The pictures, the midrashim, the shiurim that people are hearing and all the different ideas so that will give over to their children more and more excitement and gishmak in Yiddishkeit and transmit over their munah to the next generation. It's incredible. But says the Maral, 
it's against the Gemara. It makes no sense, because you're not allowed to do that. You're generally not allowed to do that. You know, for example, by Megillus Esther. Now, by Purim, we were all saved. What a tremendous nace. Wow, Haman wanted to wipe us out. By Hanukkah, can you imagine? The Greeks, they wanted to kill us all, get rid of Yiddishkeit. None of this Torah Shebaal But yet we don't find that we're told on Hanukkah or Purim to be marbeh, to talk. Yes, there's the Indian of a Suda and to sing to Hashem. And of course, Allah Nisim, beautiful. But at the end of the day, we only have this over here. Why? And that is the Marel's question. And that is something he doesn't understand. And he answers in two words. His answer basically is just one thing. And that is the two words that he says is Hakoras Hatoif. That's it. Hakoras Hatoif. That is what a person has to have. Says the Marel, when it comes to Hakoras Hatoif, there is no end. There is no amount that a person can stop himself. There's no amount that a person can say, okay, that's enough. No. Because when the obligation comes of a Satoiv, when a person has to be makir toiv to the Rabbi Shalom, to sing the Rabbi Shalom's praises for what he did for us, then, says the Maral, there is absolutely no end. A person has no cheshboinus. He just keeps on going to express the thank you to the Rabbeinu Shalom. That there's no end. And says the Maral, if there would be one thought that should go through your head the entire night of Seder night, and in Chutzah it's times two, it's this thought. It's, this is what it should be. The thought of Akoras HaToiv and how it manifests itself in so many different situations. That idea of Akoras HaToiv. The idea of Akoras HaToiv and how we need to do this and how we need to express it is something that we have to make sure that we express in a very, very big way. And you know, I mentioned this uh, before Shabbos. I don't know how many people um, heard my drosha before Shabbos. I mentioned this, you saw it. Parashas Tzav, which almost always, generally, Parashas Tzav is Shabbos Zohar, is, I'm sorry, Parashas Hagodl, Shabbos Hagodl. And it's interesting how one of the, one of the korbanas that we discuss on the, this week's parsha is the Korban Toida. Now, the Korban Toida was a korban, which is a very interesting korban. It constituted of 40 loaves of bread. It's a lot. And obviously, some of them were chomet, some of them were matzah. And the korban basically represented a thanksgiving to the Rabbi Shalom. Now, it's actually a type of korban shlomim. A korban shlomim also is that type of korban. But there's a major difference. What's the difference? The difference is that a korban toida can only be eaten for one day, and one night. Whereas a Korban Shlomim can be eaten for an extra day. You have more time. Says the Netziv, okay, what's really going on? What's really the happening? Why is it that you have only a day and a night to eat it? And how is it even possible? You bring home this huge, huge animal and it's been shechted. Alright guys, steaks for supper tonight. Baruch Hashem, the oil are excited. Steaks. How many steaks can you eat? Okay, so you bring over the neighbors, and you bring over the friends. Oh, we've got 40 loaves of bread. 40 loaves of bread. How are you going to do this? So you're going to invite over the whole neighborhood. Everybody's going to come in, and you're going to do something like a huge suda. And everyone's saying, um, what's going on over here? What are you doing? 
And you'll say, well, the Gemara and Brochus, as we know, tells us there are four situations that a person brings a carbon toida. Nowadays we call it Birchas HaGoymel. We say HaGoymel. We thank the Rabbani Shalom for giving us a certain Yeshua. He crossed us a yam. We went over a midbar. We came out of prison. Or for a person was sick and he got healed. And therefore you are obligated to invite everyone, specifically by carbon toida, to make sure they share the Simcha with you, because you want to publicize what Hashem did for you. And that is exactly what's going on. The din of Arbakoisis is a din of Pursume Nissa. It's one of the very few times we find in Shulchan Aruch, you have to sell the clothing on your back to go and get wine. You know why? Because it's Pursume Nissa. And it's like the Marel says, the night of Pesach is a night of Akoros HaToif. It's our night that we spend time and we are going to thank the Rabbeinu Shalom. We are going to spend time not just saying thank you, but we're going to do more than that. You know, we're living in a generation of greeting cards. You know, everything's digital nowadays. Look at us. We're on Zoom right now. Can you imagine? Who, who could have imagined such a thing? Right? I, I never imagined myself giving a shame right now in the, my own house over here in Yushalayim or Kodesh. And you have so many people in different places in the world listening. We're living in a generation where everything's quick. You know, you want to send someone a birthday card? It's simple. You go on your phone. Somebody told me there's an app. You write down what, who they are. A couple of pictures in there. They even send it to them. You don't even have to send it to them. So could you imagine the guy who receives it? How much effort did you put into my birthday? Nothing. You went onto your phone and you just clicked a couple of buttons. Bang, I got myself a birthday card. Was that, is that anything? You know, in the olden days, you took a telegram, you wrote it down word for word, line for line. You closed it, you went to the post office, you sent it. When a person gets that, wow, this guy really likes me. This guy really wants to say happy birthday. This guy really has Hakoras Hatoy that he wants to do that. You see, that is what's going on. Is something very different to the rest of the year and very different to every other Yontif. Because on Pesach we became Yidden. We were born again. And we have to give that a chorus And you see it throughout the Sedanite. You see it throughout the God. For example, Dayenu. It's unbelievable. You go through the lines, and everyone should go through this before Yontov comes in. You go through the lines of the Haggadah, and you get to Dayenu. And you go through each line after line. If this, then this. If this, then... Could you imagine we have to... Why, why can't we just say, Rabbi Shalom, if you wouldn't have taken us out in Mitzrayim, we would still be there. Now, that's what we do. We do say that. But that, that's enough. We have to go through every detail. Obviously, because our obligation of our Koros HaToiv goes more than just saying the words thank you. It goes into depth. And I want to say, and I want to add to that as well, you know, this year, we have a very different Pesach. Many of us, I don't know how many people are listening from different places and in which situations people are in, but just from many of the questions that I'm getting, my emails, questions on the phone, from different things, on different people in different situations, it looks like this year is a very, very different Pesach and a different Seder night to any other year. Many people are not having their children. Many people are not having even their grandchildren. People are alone. People are there just with their spouses. Who ever heard of such a thing? Seder night is that opportunity to get together with the whole family. We bring everyone together. Bring the Let's bring everybody, all the grandchildren, around the table. It's beautiful. This year we can't do it. 
This year is a very different Pesach. Some people are making Pesach for the very first time. They've never made Pesach before. The questions that are coming in, beautiful. People are trying to do Pesach in the best way. They've never made it before. Tell me, what do I do? Not only in Halachas, but in Ashkof and everything else. Right? For some people, I guess, not being in a hotel is also mysterious nefesh. It's hard, right? Packing the suitcases is hard enough. Now I've actually got to go and cash out the kitchen. What am I going to do now? So it's very, very different Pesach. It's a very different Pesach. And we're living in a situation in times that are difficult for all of us for all of us like I said in the beginning the requests that I got to mention Rafur Shalema in this share I, I feel bad that I'm not doing so I would love to do so but unfortunately there's too many there's just too many there's not a person who's listening there's not a person who doesn't know someone that is, that is affected in a bad way we've all been affected but in a bad way it's a very different Seder and I want to concentrate also on that as well because there's an unbelievable Rabbeinu Yoyna. Rabbeinu Yoyna tells us when he talks about halal. And we know that on Pesach we say halal sometimes even a few times. Some people have the minig of saying halal by Mariv already before even you start the Seder night. We say halal. On say, during the Seder itself, during the Haggadah, we also say parts of halal. And of course during Yontav itself we say halal. It's so interesting. Rabbeinu Yoyne tells us that there's a prerequisite before a person says halal. And that is, there should be a specific mood of happiness that a person should be in. In fact, the Gemara in Psachim clearly tells us that, um, that they used to recite Halal on Seder night with so much Simcha, says the Gemara, the roof would burst. Can you imagine the Simcha that the Halal they used to do? The singing of the Halal was incredible. In fact, it was Shinshim Pinka Zatzal. When he writes the explanation of what Halal is, he says the word Halal. You know what he means? Excessive praise. That's what's going on. Now, that's true. That's what Halal is. But if we actually go and analyze some of the words of Halal that we say, we can see that there's a major problem, and we can see that there's a major portion of Halal that's actually not so happy. And we have to understand why. For example, in... Um, for example, we say, Trouble and sorrow I would find, then I would invoke the name of Hashem. The entire section of Halal, beginning of Oivdei, Ahavti Kiyishma, talks about how the Rabbi Shalom listens to our tefillahs, specifically in times of trouble. And how we always direct our tefillahs to the Rabbi Shalom, even when we're in desperate situations. And if you and then it continues straight away. How can I repay the Rabbi Shalom for his kindness that he bestowed upon me? When everything goes well for us, we have everything we want, and everything's going the way we want it to go. So it's easy. But it's when it doesn't go the way we want it to go. What do we say then? It's like I told the boys. I always tell this to the boys. I said this so many times. Imagine you go to the Kaisal Amaravi. And you see a fellow there, he's crying his eyes out. His mum is crying his eyes out. He's crying. And you have two options. Option number one is that his child, Rahman we should never know, got diagnosed with a terrible illness. That's option number one. Option number two is that um, his daughter, his last daughter, just got engaged. And he's coming to Davin Tashem. Which one would you say most likely fits the picture of that guy crying at the Kaisal. I think most people would say number one. I mean, come on, the guy's not going to come to the Kaisal crying. But it's unfortunate 
that when everything is going well, and when life is going the way we want it to go, so it's very easy to praise Hashem. It's very easy, Hashem, thank you, you give me everything, I'm in this wonderful hotel for Pesach, it's Baruch Hashem Kovaldik, I've even got bread, and I've got pasta, and I've got pizza, and it's just incredible, I don't have to do any cooking, I don't have to do any cleaning, it's wonderful, and Baruch Hashem, I'm home, and I've got all the cleaners now, cleaning up for me, and my grandchildren are coming in, and everything's wonderful. We can't say many of that, much of that this year, we just can't, it's not the same situation. But you know what Halal teaches us? And again, as I said, if you go through the Halal, you see this clearly. That we even have to learn to praise Hashem when everything's not going our way. When times are hard. When times are difficult. When things don't seem to make sense. And it doesn't make sense what's going on, what's happening in the world. What's going on around us. But still, we're going to say, We're going to praise the Rabbi Shalom for giving us everything that He gives us now. Even if we don't have everything. Even if we can't get, and again I speak for those that are in Eretz Yisrael now, especially you can't get all the imported candies and chocolates and all the treats that they're bringing from the rest of the world. You can't get it. We're just going to have to live on the basics. We'll manage. We'll be just fine. But what we have to do is learn to thank Hashem. And there's another example. The Charoises. The din is that the Charoises has to be made or should be made. Again, there are men hogging with exactly what it should be made with. But it should, it should actually come from red wine. Now, it's interesting because sweet red wine, sweet red wine, some people, but grape juice in, same idea, it's got to be sweet. Now, the charoses, as we know, represents the cement that they used in Mitzrayim, which, as we know, the Medrashim tell us such terrible, horrible Medrashim, that if they didn't manage to have their quota of bricks, the Mitzrayim would make them take Jewish children and put them in the spaces instead of the bricks because they had to be able to finish what their quota was for that day. That's incredible. So why do we put the sweet red wine in? The answer is to remind us something which again you see again and again throughout the Seder, through everything, that whatever the Rebbe Nishram does, it may be hard, it may be difficult, it may be we don't understand, but it's always ultimately good. And what we have to learn, specifically on Pesach, and if you want to have the most meaningful Seder night this year, internalize this message. Internalize the message that whatever the Rabbi Nishalaylam does is always good, even when it's hard, even when we don't understand it, even when it seems that we, things are just going crazy. You know, I have a cousin who lives on Sarotskin, very, very hush of a yid. So I remember, I'm going back now 20, 25 years already, I remember I went into the house, his daughter was very, very sick, very, very sick. And he was a man of simcha, of happiness. He was kuloi besimcha. A real choshviyid, an Israeli, didn't speak a word of English. And he was always besimcha. And even throughout his child, going through such an illness, it was very difficult for him. Rahman al-Sallallahu his child was nifta from that illness. But I remember him saying over an amazing thing. He said, you know, when he one time needed to go to Bnei Barak, to go to get a certain treatment to meet a doctor, so he was thinking, how am I going to get to Bnei Brak on a bus with my daughter? She's not going to be able to lie down. It's not, going to, it's not going to work. He said he went out to the street and there happened to be someone driving in a car. And the guy slows down and says, are you looking for a ride? He says, actually, I am. He says, where are you going? He said, I need to get to Bnei Brak. Bnei Brak, perfect. I'm on my way now. I have an empty car. Come inside. And he brings his daughter. Can you imagine? Like, what are the chances? And he says he's in the hospital and he needs to get, to get back to Yerushalayim. He needs to get back to Yerushalayim. And what happens is he's like, what am I going to do now? Am I going to get back again? A bus was not a gear. A taxi is very expensive. It doesn't have the money. What's he going to do? There was a man in the hospital who said, is anybody going to Yerushalayim? I've got an empty car. I want to take somebody. He said, that's amazing. I'm going to Yerushalayim. Isn't that incredible? Isn't that amazing? 
And he said, you know what? Exera is Exera. We don't always understand it. It doesn't always make sense to us. But I felt the Rabbi Nishalonim was with me. That's what he said. I felt the Rabbi Nishalonim was with me. Isn't that incredible? However difficult times we're living in, still the Rabbi Nishalonim is with us. How do we see that? We see it all over the place. We have to open up our eyes. One of the examples which I'm sure you saw in the news, I mentioned this again Erev Shabbos, I'll just mention it very briefly, was the story of a family Nebuch that lost their father, and they went to the Beis Halavai, to the Beis Olam, to bury their father. They were so sad. They were allowed ten people to make a minion. And they said, Kaddish, they said some Tehillim. And they said some Divrei Hesped. That's all they could manage. That's all they could do. And they started to continue to get to the Kavur. And suddenly the, 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 the Hebra Kaddisha came out. They said, no, no, no. There's been a big mistake. This is the wrong mace. This is the wrong nifta. I'm terribly sorry. Can you imagine the tsar, the pain of having to bury a loved one, but also it's the wrong one. Have to go back in the car, wait till everything gets organized, come back again and do the levaya all over again. What a terrible thing. We should never know of such things. But what they found out afterwards was tremendous. What they found out afterwards was the mace that they originally had wanted to bury was absolutely incredible. And that was that they found out that that person was a Ged Sedek. He was a Ged Sedek, which means he was a Mace Mitzvah. He had no family members whatsoever. Can you imagine? He had died, Nebuch, from the disease. He was going to be buried by himself. No minion, no Kaddish, no Tehillim, nothing. And the Rabboni Shlomo made sure that there would be people there at his Kvura, at his Leviah. That's an incredible thing. And that, Sezra Brevdas Atzal, is something that we have to, have to internalize on the night of Seder. The, 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 the Rambam tells us, and we say this again, that we start with the Genar, we start with everything that happened, and then we move on to the happier times when we came out, Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, with all the Nisim, the Esamakas, and everything else. Why do we have to start with everything that's bad? Surah Brevda Zatzal gave a tremendous marshal. And he said, you can imagine a refugee after the war, he had no family, no friends, nobody to look after him. He didn't know where to turn, where to go. He receives a telegram from a long-lost uncle in America who says, Listen, I've arranged visas for you. Please come. Come to my house. I'll take care of you. I'll take care of all of your needs. And he said, That's incredible. So he goes and he travels on the boat and he finally gets there. He's not well. He's got no education. He's got no future. This uncle gives up his business and he says he goes into the hospitals and he makes sure and he nurses him back to full health. And then eventually he starts teaching him a trade. He teaches him how to read English and he goes through all the steps until eventually he becomes a successful, normal person. And eventually he even finds a shidduch. And at this wedding, can you imagine the nachas that this uncle is getting now? This uncle is marrying off his nephew. He basically took his nephew from the brink, from the lowest part, and he built him up to where he is today. He's got a job. He's got a parnasa. He's now got a wife. This is tremendous. Incredible. And they're dancing there in the middle of the wedding. They're dancing together in the circle. Uncle and nephew. This is the climax of the whole hasana. And here the nephew turns to his uncle and says, Thank you so much. The uncle takes the Tchosim by his hand and he brings him to the corner of the hall and he says, What? That's it? Thank you? After everything? Tchosim says, but what, what, what do you want me to say? He says, Repeat after me. I was a refugee and I came to America with nothing. I was ready to die both physically, emotionally and everything else. You took me 
You sent me a telegram. You arranged me visas. You went to the hospitals with me. You paid all my medical bills. You looked after me. You gave me an education. You repeat all of that. And then you'll have some more appreciation. Says Rebrevda Zatzal. That's the night of Pesach. The night of Pesach is Maschel Begnai. First we start with everything that happened. Where Klal Yisrael was holding. What we look like. And then we'll come to the Shvach. Because only when you mention the Gnai, only when you mention and really realize and internalize, that's our job. Leil Seder, sit by the Seder night. Imagine, picture, think in your head. Give yourself an amazing imagination. As the Medrash told us, you have to give yourself all the imaginations in the world of what we look like, what we felt, what happened. What we were like then. And then you can move on to what it's like to be freed. And that's Hakura Satoif. That, by the way, just in apprentices in brackets, answers one of the questions, which is why don't we make a bracha on the Haggadah? Right? There's no bracha. It's a, it's a mitzvah doraisa. Right? It's a mitzvah. The Sabbath It's a mitzvah in the Torah to go and tell your children. But yet there's no bracha. Every other mitzvah has a bracha. This one doesn't. There's a Mayudikas Fasemes. The Svas Emes says, this possibly answers it. Because he says that a bracha we make is on a mitzvah that emphasizes that the Rabboni Shalom commanded us perform to show that HaKadosh Baruch Hu would not have allowed us or even expected us to do it on our own. When we retell the story of Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, says the Svas Emes, we would have done that on our own. Which normal person wouldn't thank the Rabboni Shalom for getting his life back? Therefore, we don't make a bracha on something like that. So this Vasemes, you make a bracha on something that the Rabbi Shalom told you to do that you would not have done otherwise. Pesach Seder night, there's no question we would have anyway have thanked the Rabbi Shalom because it's impossible for a person not to do that. But you know something else? The night of Seder night teaches us, and as we go through the Haggadah, it teaches us what exactly is Akarasatov. What does it mean, Akarasatov? So again... We're getting over from time already. There's a lot more still to discuss. But one particular Indian we know, when we go through the Makkas, and we go through the Makkas and the plagues in Mitzrayim and exactly what happened, we see a tremendous thing. We see that Moshe Rabbeinu, as we know, was told in the first few Makkas not to instigate the Makkah himself. Aaron, his brother, did it. Aaron HaKoyin had to do it. You know why? And one of the reasons, and there's many reasons is, because Moshe Rabbeinu, for example, didn't smite the Nile to turn it into blood. Why not? He didn't smite the Nile because he was saved by the Nile. And if you're saved by the Nile, you don't smite the Nile. Now, one second. Are you serious? Do you think the Nile has feelings? you think the Nile really haps what's going on? It's, it's, a, it's a body of water. It has no idea whether or not Moshe Rabbeinu did or did not. It's ridiculous. What's the pshat? Says... Reb Chaim Shmulevitz Hatzal, because Hakoras Hatoiv isn't on the person you're giving it to, it's on us. The night of Seder night isn't because the Rabbi Shalom requires us to say thank you. He feels better. Ha ha, here's Kalal Yisrael, sinning Seder night, I get so much hanah by watching these guys sinning, saying the Haggad. No, the Rabbi Shalom doesn't need our thank you. And that's not Hakoras Hatoiv. Real Hakoros HaToiv is on us. It's our obligation. It's not paying back someone. But it's instilling within the individual the feeling of real gratitude and thank you. True, the ground or the water won't notice whether Moshe Rabbeinu did it or Aaron Akoin did it. But that's not right. That is not right for you to go along 
and smite the Nile or smite the ground if you yourselves got something from there. Rabbeinu Yonah Perkyovus writes that the Midah of Koros HaToiv is one of the most fundamentals and the foundations of anyone in Yiddishkeit. Koros HaToiv. It's a basic idea that any single person has to have. The union of Koros HaToiv. The union of being happy with what we have. The union of paying the Rabbeinu Shlolem back and understanding everything that the Rabbeinu Shlolem gave us. That's what we do. We wake up in the morning, the most incredible thing. And we say Moida'ani. We don't watch Negel Vasa. We're not allowed to make any other bracha. We're not allowed to say anything else. But Moida'ani we're allowed to say. Because Chazal understood that the very first thing you do in the morning, before you even get out of your bed, before you even properly dressed, before you even properly holy and tahor, and, and we've got the water, and you've you know, got rid of the tumor on your hands from the night, no, no, before any of that. You thank the Rabbi Nishlana. That is the very first thing that you have to do. Because that, at the end of the day, is something that you have to understand, is a basic idea of Yiddishka. You know, the Bikurim, at the time of the Beis HaMikdash, was an extraordinary idea. It was, it was tremendous. The Mishnah and Bikurim Perigimel explains what exactly happened and describes how the farmers brought in their Bikurim in these beautiful baskets with these overflowing with luscious fruits and farmers from all over Eretz Yisrael would bring their fruit up to Eretz Yisrael, up to the Beis HaMikdash in order to express their gratitude to the Rabbi Nishran for all the kindness that Hashem gave them of all of their wonderful fruits of their labors. And there wasn't only fruits, there, were, there, was, there was bands playing in the streets. The Gemara tells us there were people dancing. All the baskets were decorated with beautiful golden embroidery. It, it was an incredible occasion. It was a real simcha for everyone. Asks Rav Gifta the following question. If it's true, what we just said from the Mishnah, that it was a tremendous simcha at the time of bringing Bikurim, so why is it, says Rav Gifta, that the Torah has to say, and the Torah says, is a parashat kisavoy, v'somachta b'chol hatoif. Be happy with all the good that the Rabbi Nishlam gives you. What do I mean? It's a happy situation. There's concerts in the streets. There's beautiful fruits flowing. It's tremendous. It's wonderful. And yet the Torah has to say, v'somachta b'chol hatoif. Says Rav Gifta, that's an unbelievable and very penetrating idea into our own lives. And says Rav Gifta Zatzal, because you can have the most perfect situation, the perfect setting, everything's there ready for you, but a person still doesn't feel happy, because happiness is in the mind. Happiness is created in your head, and that's something that's incredible. Happiness is not about the circumstances in which you find yourself. Happiness is all about in your mind. And I want to reiterate that point once again. I know there are many people out there that are feeling a very, very sad feeling of what's going on in the world. They've got relatives. Again, I'm, I'm in touch with people on a daily, sometimes hourly basis. People that their parents, that their brothers and sisters, their children, their grandparents are sitting in hospital. They don't know what's going on. We're dealing with all the situations. And these people are feeling yush. And people who haven't got that situation know other people that are in another situation have lost other people. We see what's going on in the world. It's difficult. It's hard. But what we have to learn is that Chorus HaToiv on Seder night comes above everything. It becomes above everything because we have to realize that's what Yiddishkeit requires of us. That's what Yiddishkeit is. It reminds me 
of a story I've told over as well, a group of geographers. There, there were geography students that were asked to write a list in what they considered to be, these were young children, right? They were, they, were in, they were in school, learning geography. And they were asked to write a list on what they considered to be the seven wonders of the world. Seven wonders of the world. So some people wrote the pyramids, Mount Everest, the Grand Canyon, the Great Wall of China, Niagara Falls. There were all sorts of things going on. While they were going through it, the teacher noticed that there was one child there that seemed to just deliberate. No, no, it wasn't writing anything. You know, thinking backwards, forward, the pen, about to write, not about to write. The teacher went over to the child and said, my dear child, is everything okay? Like, what's the matter? You can't think of any of them, not even one? And the child said, no, no, no. There's so many, I don't know what to write. And they're all incredible. And the teacher says, okay, I understand that there are many, but just, you know, give us one, give us two. Says, I can't do that. The teacher says, give me, give me what's in your thought. What are you thinking? She says, what do you mean? The fact that I can touch, I can taste, I can hear, I can run, I can laugh, I can talk. I can... There's so much. And this child, an innocent child, understood. This is the seven wonders of the world. This is something incredible. And this is something we have to appreciate. This is something we have to have gratitude for on Seder night. The whole Pesach, the Yontav of Pesach is one big to the Rabbi Nishan for everything we do have. Not everything we don't have. The glass is half and it's very, very big half full as opposed to half empty. Rabbi Victor Miller once said over such, a, such an incredible idea. He said like this, he said, could you imagine the scenario? And he wanted to teach people that, you know, even when things are going tough, what it means to thank Hashem. And he says an incredible thing. So the man walks into Shul one night, walks into Marif, and he's visibly disturbed. He looks, he, look, he looks distraught. He looks terrible. So the Rav goes over and says, tell me, Moshi, is everything okay? It looks terrible. It looks like something really bad happened. She said, Rabbi, you have to understand. I had a business meeting in a different state, and I had to fly somewhere. And I couldn't get there. I got there was traffic. I missed the flight. It was terrible. I've missed the flight. I've missed the business meeting. I've missed my opportunity for making money. You can't imagine what this is going to do to my business. What this is going to do to my whole, my whole everything. Everything that I built up. All this meeting. I, everything was on this. Rabbi, it is terrible. So the rabbi says, I have a question for you. A one question for you. What would happen if tomorrow morning you read in the newspaper that that airplane that you were on with 450 other people, crashed, and, uh, and every single person on that airplane died. She said, Rabbi, gosh, what, what a question. I'd give a kiddish. I would say thank you to the Rabbi Shalom. I would say halal. I would say goima with simcha. It's inc- what, what, are you, what type of question is that? The Rabbi said to him, Russia, you're a Russia. It takes the Rabbeinu Shalom, it'll have to take 450 people for you to die, to see HaKadosh Baruch Hu's hand in your life. You have to kill 450 people to say thank you. No. What we have to learn is to say thank you when we don't see that. And we have to learn to say thank you for everything the Rabbeinu Shalom gives us in our own lives. I want to tell you a very painful story. It's a very short story, but it's very painful. At the Leviah, of the young boy, Leibi Kletsky, an eight-year-old child from Borough Park that we know was killed in a horrific, horrific manner. Shemirachim, what happened to him, Lalenu Lalechem, Klalisol should never know of such tsoris. But his father, who was a regular working man from Yid in Borough Park, regular Yid, he got up 
by his son's Levi. His son was only eight years old when he was kidnapped and killed in a horrific manner. And he gets up by the Levaya and apart from Tzidek Adin and accepts the judgment. And he said, Boruch Dayan Emes. He ended off with one tremendous sentence. And he said, I'd like to thank the Rabbi Shalonam for the beautiful eight years that he gave me to enjoy together with my son. You know, that takes tremendous strength and we should never, ever be tested. No one should ever be tested with this. But you know what it does teach us? It teaches us to look at the good. It teaches us to concentrate on everything that's good. I'll give you an example. You may have heard this from me, but I've said this so many times. I, I want to say this every day. I had such a beautiful thought. I heard this years ago. In Birchas HaShachar, every morning we make a list of brachas. Right away in the morning. Straight after Birchas HaTorah, before we start Pesukah de Zimur or Korbanas, we say Birchas HaShachar. Birchas HaShachar has a list of the most beautiful brachas of how the Rabbi gives us the ability to stand, to walk, to get dressed, to see there's so much good. And if we would say those brachos with a little bit of kavana, it probably would help as well. But it's more than that. The list of brachos is a tremendous list of all our chorus that told to the make when we wake up in the morning. What is the first one on the list? The very first bracha that we make. What is that referring to? That is referring to the chicken. A chicken is given a das, given knowledge, to know the difference between night and day. Oh my gosh, this is the first one on the list, seriously? From seeing, from being able to stand, from being able to get dressed, the list goes on. The very first one, that probably is the most important one, maybe, because it's the first one, is we gave the chicken the dust and the divinity night and day. Question number one, why is it the first one? Question number two, is it such a big deal? Even children know the difference between a day and night. Maybe not a, a brand, old, brand new old baby, but children generally know the difference between night and day. Like, what's the godless, right? What, what's happening? So I heard of a beautiful, beautiful thought, and it goes like this. Beautiful idea. It changes the whole perspective of, of davening, changes the whole perspective in our lives. And that is, the chicken, for anybody that knows this, and this actually is another one of the questions is, doesn't actually crow at the beginning of day. It crows when it's still dark outside, and it just starts to get a little bit of a day-night. But if you look outside, it's still dark. But yet the chicken knows that, and it starts earlier. You know why? Because the chicken understands that even in night... It learns to find the day. It learns to find the light within the darkness. And that is the biggest message to us when we say in the morning. When we wake up in the morning, we may have a day that we're faced with, with sorrows, with tragedies. We have no idea. Be'ez Hashem, it should all stop. But one thing we have to know, before everything else, learn to pinpoint, to highlight all the good in our lives. Learn to look at everything that we have that's good. It's an incredible thing. It's an incredible idea because it learns to see everything that we have. And let me end with one last incredible idea from the Dubna Magid. The Dubna Magid asks a question, I mentioned this in the Shabbos Hagodol Drasha, that you know on Pesach we eat matzah. Matzah is the same bread that we ate as slaves. We eat when we're free. Why? Why do we eat matzah, which represents being a slave, when we're free as well? That's the question that I asked in the Shabbos Hagodol Drasha. I want to give you a different idea. The Dubna Magid brings Kedarka a tremendous marshal. And he says there was a very, very poor man. And this poor man ate all he could afford was hard, crusty crumbs of bread. That's all he found, little crust, little pieces of bread. And for years and years, that's all he could eat. 
Until one day, somebody gave him a bit of money to borrow, and he took it, he did a business investment, and he made some money, and he became eventually a very, very wealthy man. And he built himself a beautiful mansion with servants and everything. It was tremendous. He lived a life of luxury. But he had one minhag, and he kept this minhag for all the years, that at the end of every meal, his servants always served him a piece of dry, crusty bread as a reminder to what times used to be, what it used to look like, always to remember what he used to have, even though Baruch Hashem, he doesn't have that now. The wheels of fortune turned again until this very rich man, man we're dealing with, ended up poor again. And he ended up poor, one big deal, he put all his money in it, put everything in the pot, the ships, the ships sunk, and he lost everything. He went from being the wealthiest man to a poor man, and once again, he was eating crusty, old, dry bread, going collecting from door to door. And he went to a certain rich man. And he comes into his house, and he sits down, he tells him his story, and the rich man says, are you hungry? He says, sure, I haven't eaten in a day and a half. He says, come, I'm eating a meal. He sits him down, and he gives him a tremendous meal of everything. And the poor man says to him, can I just ask you one favor? Can I have a dry, crusty piece of bread? It's my minute that after every meal, I have it. And the rich man says, okay, no problem, we'll do it. And he brings it in. He says, can I ask you, what on earth is pshat? What is, what is the understanding behind this minute? She says, listen, you have to understand my whole story. I used to be poor. This is all I ate. Then I became rich and I still did it. And even though I'm poor, I'm doing the same thing. The rich man says, listen, I understand the first part. I understand when you were wealthy, when you were rich, you had this minic. You wanted to remember what it meant to be poor. But now, you're an oni. Now you're poor. This is all you eat anyway. Why do you have to be reminded? It doesn't make any sense. Listen to his answer. Again, this is a Dubna Maggit. He says, you're 100% right. But my being poor now isn't the same as, as, as I was before. When I was poor then, I was poor and there was nothing I could do about it. He said, but I want to tell you something. When I was rich, what I did was, is I lent someone a huge amount of money for a number of years with a stipulation that I will not be able to take it from him earlier. A huge amount of money. This money is waiting for me to collect. So it's true. Right now I'm poor. But one day I'm going to be rich again. One day I'm going to collect that money. And therefore, even now I'm rich. Said the Dubna Maggit, the matzah that we eat on Pesach, reminds us, not just of what happened over there. Ooh, Claudius all left in a hurry. They burnt the matzahs. They went out on their shoulders. And here it is, reminding ourselves. No, no, no. We're reminding ourselves more than that. We're remembering, we look around the world, we look around seeing what's happening at a different world. We're not looking at the same world as what they looked at when they came out of Mitzrayim. It's a whole different situation. True, right now we're living in hard times. Right now it's difficult. Right now we don't understand what's going on, but we're eating that matzah. Because this matzah represents that we're going to take this matzah. And this matzah will eventually be the Korban Pesach. And we are going to have a Beis HaMikdosh. Even this year we're going to have a Beis HaMikdosh. We'll all be here together in Yerushalayim. Having a Pesach together in Yerushalayim with the Beis HaMikdosh. We're looking out the window. We're waiting for the shofar. We want to see it happening now. And that's our avoider. And if you want to have it, as I said in the beginning, the most meaningful Seder night this year, this is what we need to do. This is our avoider. The avoider now is an avoider of a chorus Of thinking, imagining, painting the picture of what life used to look like. And what happened in those days. And where we are now. Yes, times are hard. Times are difficult. People are going through hard times. We have no understanding. But at the end of the day, there is a pshat. 
There is a reason. There's always a good taste within the charesis. There's always a good posseg within the halal. Everything is there. Everything comes together on Seder night. The night of Seder night is our opportunity to express our chorus HaToiv to the Rabboni Shalom and that it's exactly what we should do. And Be'ezah Hashem, if we do that properly, the Rabboni Shalom will give us all Siyat HaDishmai, all the Cholim and Klal Yisrael will have a Refur Shalema. the Magaifa will stop, life will go back to being better than it was, we will be better people than when we first came in. And Be'ezah Hashem, the Rabboni Shalom will bring us all here together to celebrate, to dance, to be together with Mashiach in the Bayesh Lishi, Thank you again, all of you, for listening. And all of you, I wish you all a wonderful, beautiful, and healthy Yontav.